if I keep working, I'm just making money to pay for daycare. And I'm kind of more of a homemaker anyway. I cook and clean and that kind of stuff comes naturally. And so I took that role and it was fun too. Gavin Noble is the kind of guy that will send you a message on Instagram after seeing your van drive through Alashua County, Florida, the place he and his family call home. This is how we connected with Gavin, and both his sincerity and openness from the outset drew us into the retreat he is shaping for his family. As a stay-at-home dad, Gavin already doesn't fit in with the way our society expects him to. Yet seeing him in his element, carving flutes out of bamboo, towing a wagon of kids, picking citrus from the neighbors, or just conversing with his children in French, he seems to be doing exactly what he's meant to do, be a kick-ass dad. With chickens running around the food forest he's creating from the earth up, Gavin is a true renaissance man that is the redefinition of masculinity in this day and age. In this episode, we'll cover how Gavin and his wife Beth arrived in Alashua County and how they've set up a lifestyle that values time together over financial gain and how they are building the life they want to live. Hey, Gavin, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. We've done a lot of work since you guys are here. Cool, well, thanks so much for following through with our original discussion around this. It's very flattering to be asked to do something like this, for sure. Well, I mean, you're living the lifestyle that, you know, a lot of people want to, but you're doing it in a way that, seems unconventional you know being a a (laughs) stay-at-home dad you know maybe doing it in a place that people wouldn't think of as being such an amazing location yeah i mean you welcomed us into your home and we just loved it from just seeing your gardens and your setup to paddling into your backyard it was just like wow these guys are doing it yeah man that was really fun it was really it was a nice treat for you guys to consider coming out and spending a couple nights here and it was really fun to go paddling together and actually i'm looking at the garden and stuff now we've done a lot of work since you were here because we had loads of mulch and the logs from the tree work a few houses down and the tree worker guy came back on sunday morning with his ditch witch and moved all these huge pieces of log around that jeff and i couldn't move together because they were just so huge and i spread a bunch more mulch and i put these big slices of sweet gum around the front yard to make like kind of like a stepping stone effect for the kids to like jump from log to log but also they're just making some nice access for all the areas where we'll have food growing around these trees until the trees get so big that they shade the things out and then we'll have different kind of food growing but uh, yeah it's a lot of good stuff happening here and i'm excited to have this free time with the kids with their grandparents so i'm really happy that we can talk this morning cool why don't you go back a step and um introduce yourself and your family so my name is gavin noble and my wife beth and i have two wonderful kids reed who's seven and clara who's three and we currently live in Melrose, florida which is a really tiny town in north central florida and it is a one stoplight town but it's full of art galleries and some lovely kind of redneck stuff in a good way we have a beautiful lake we live on lake santa fe it's where my great-grandfather bought a property to have a fishing property to have a little spot to leave here and my grandparents built a house on it and retired here and, and then my dad inherited it and we found this house on this street on this lake solely because of these connections with family and, and history and uh, looking towards the future of living in nature having a nice balance of work and play and being outside as much as possible hopefully eating a lot of what we can grow and what we can catch and all that kind of good stuff uh, we also have a 
wonderful dog, black lab named Jovi, and we have a flock of chickens that currently is around 17 or 18. I haven't counted lately, but they disappear sometimes, so that's why we have 17 or 18, and uh, we're getting lovely eggs right now, and springtime has sprung in Florida, even though in the winter it kind of felt like summer occasionally. That's how Florida is. It's a beautiful place to live, so we're really excited to be here. Yeah, so Sophie and I were invited to stay at Gavin and Beth's a few weeks ago, and, and we just had such a ball. Yes, that was hilarious. We, we were driving home from High Springs, which is a uh, small town north of Gainesville, within an hour from here, and High Springs has a whole lot of natural springs, and they're this hidden gem. Uh, so we were heading home from High Springs after visiting a new friend's farm up there, and we saw this bright orange van that was unlike any van we'd ever seen, and we have a Volkswagen pop top, and so I'm always looking for vehicles uh, that are interesting and looking like people doing interesting things in them. And fortunately, on the outside of this big, big van, there were uh, various ways of connecting, and one of which was the Instagram tag, Afuera Vida, and right away I asked my wife to look you guys up and uh, message you that <laughs> you could come and park in our driveway. Uh, and not to make you feel any less special, but I occasionally offer that up to people in vans just because I think it's really fun to see other people's vans and how they do their van life. And uh, we connected, and a couple days later you guys had some freedom to come and uh, stay at our house as part in our neighbor's driveway and share some meals with us and and get to know each other and we had a really wonderful time together we did it really made our trip to florida put we knew we were going to have a good time in florida but we really didn't know what there was to do besides the typical mostly concrete and old people but staying (laughs) staying with you guys and seeing your setup was really inspiring and and made us consider wow what a beautiful place to live thank you but it wasn't always that way so tell us about what life was like before florida we have a very interesting background my wife and i are very similar in certain ways and then we're very different she has always been very um goal-oriented and focused and driven to pursue her goals. So when we met, she was in medical school and I was fresh out of the Navy looking for a new path and never really feeling like I knew what my path should be. And she suggested I become a teacher and I was tutoring at the time. And so I started taking teaching classes and got a teaching credential and started teaching as a substitute teacher while I was doing my student teaching and classes. She finished up med school, I finished up my teaching credential program, and we moved to Pennsylvania where her family is and uh, started having kids. And we were there for eight, nine years and enjoyed living in Pennsylvania in a beautiful A-frame we called uh, the chalet uh, Maple Hollow Homestead. We got going with maple syrup production with some friends and we developed a big garden and just learned about all sorts of foraging and enjoyed living in nature and making great friends there. And the winters were great, but the winters were always finished off with maple syrup season and my wife was cold regularly. Uh, really wanted to live someplace milder and live someplace with potentially no snow. So we were looking all over. We were looking at up and down the East Coast. We looked in, into living in Maui. We looked at living in New Zealand and living in Europe. And eventually, thanks to a very weird dream I had involving Keith Malloy, who's a professional surfer and one of the few professional surfers I've randomly met in life. Um, he was in this dream and it was my 40th birthday party and his date to the party was this other professional surfer who was nobody in particular that I would recognize and she was saying, hey, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I don't know, I kind of want to have my family be at the beach together and surf together and enjoy ourselves. And she's like, well, why aren't you doing that? And I was like, I don't know, I don't have any good reason not to be doing it. So I woke up from that dream kind of deciding to 
look at other places than just like my favorite places like California and Hawaii and New Zealand and all these kind of exotic places more like surfing places so we looked at Florida which we thought kind of how you described it like it wasn't maybe our scene and when we met a man at a farmer's market who kind of had an interesting energy to him and I kind of felt like I kind of recognized him sort of uh he suggested we look at Gainesville and he happens to be one of the owners of Frog Song Organic Farms which happens to be just like within 10 minutes of this house here where we moved a year and a half ago and it also just happens that he and I used to live in Santa Cruz California and he's a passionate surfer and most likely we saw each other in the water surfing in Santa Cruz and when we got to know each other here in person once we moved here to Florida he didn't remember us from the market obviously but we uh, got to know his family, and they have two little kids, and they're wonderful. And we also are privileged enough that because I was a teacher, I feel confident in homeschooling our kids. I also speak exclusively French with the kids, which is my kind of stubborn goal of helping them to be bilingual as naturally as possible. So as uh, our oldest is seven years old, it's been seven years of just speaking French with the kids and reading stories in French, singing songs in French. And now he's learning to read in English, and I really need to work on learning on him learning to read in French. So I do the homeschooling with the kids and my wife is working part-time as a physician and she gets to be home with the family and has a nice work-play balance. And she does incredible things with the kids as well with arts and crafts and homeschooling and keeping them balanced because she and I kind of make a good team and uh, she's got some strengths where I don't have strengths and I have strengths where she has doesn't have the strengths and we are a good team. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's the long and short of it. Well, I mean, I think you told me a couple of these stories in person and I think they stood out because it takes a special person to maybe be open to somebody at a farmer's market to go live in a certain place or be open to what their dreams are telling them and here you are you've listened to them and you've developed this beautiful life for yourself so I think you know, there's something to be said about following that gut instinct and listening to, you know, what you know is true compared to what other people are telling you and what you should be doing. Yeah. And while you're talking, it occurred to me, there's a saying that pops into my head occasionally that sometimes it's good to fail fast and your know, life can be short. And if you're thinking, geez, well, you know, maybe I'll try that later on, or maybe I'll, you know, we could live there when the kids are out of the house or, you know, bucket list kind of item later in life. Like, you know, your bucket list items aren't failing or passing kind of things but uh it's that idea of like do stuff and you'll be happy you did it as opposed to regretting that you waited and regretting that you didn't take those opportunities and you didn't take those risks and you know we move in we plant fruit trees we start a chicken flock we get things going and you know all along we knew we may not stay in florida there's no nothing keeping us here we could move someplace else we'd go back to pennsylvania and we could go someplace new and you know who knows any day we could decide there's something that is lacking and to try something different but for now we're trying florida and it's working great so going back to pennsylvania you had reed correct mm-hmm. and you were still teaching and beth was still in her residency is that correct yep. so did you start caring for reed as more of the full-time parent at the time and and were you still working when reed was born i was still working at greenwood friends school which is this tiny little quaker school in millville pennsylvania it's just a darling little almost one-room schoolhouse kind of place um grades pre-k to eight and i was teaching combined middle school six seven eight and then the three four five 
teaching math, science, and Spanish, and PE. And when Reed was on the way, the opportunity came to transition from teaching in the classroom to taking over their business manager position, like financial officer position. And I have a finance degree, and that was just one of these things in life that just kind of seemed so ideal and perfect timing. You couldn't have planned it better to say, hey, how about I bring my baby to work and work in this office instead of with a bunch of kids? And I did that. Well, Reed was born in November, so I had a few months to get used to the job, and then I would bring him to work with me, and that didn't work all the time because he was less than quiet. He was a little bit colicky at times, and bringing a crying baby into a quiet school, quiet office didn't work so well, so I would bring him to Beth's parents' house, and they'd watch him some days as well. That worked for that school year till the summer, and then we decided, if I keep working, I'm just making money to pay for daycare, and I can do it. I feel like I'm kind of more of a homemaker anyway. I cook and clean, and that kind of stuff comes naturally. I pay attention to details around the house, and so I took that role, and it kind of felt natural. And it was fun, too, because I'm doing the French thing. And thankfully, where we live, and had a handful of other dads that were doing the same thing as me that had kids about the same age as ours. We were really tight pretty quickly because we were going through the same struggles with newborns and young children. I, I can imagine. And I, I mean, I'm just trying to put myself into your shoes, taking your first six-month-old child to work. And I certainly was not doing that. And I can't even fathom doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that's incredibly bold. <laughs> Yeah, they're very understanding people. I also brought our puppies to school when I was teaching in the garden in my classroom or outside of my classroom. So I'd bring my puppy to work, and I brought the second puppy along, and they probably knew what was coming. They probably knew, you know, this guy's eventually going to have a kid, and he's going to bring the kid too, and so they were prepared. Good <laughs> <laughs> see it coming. So you're in Danville, you've got a crew of stay-at-home dads, and how important was that for you at the time, being a first-time dad, to have that kind of community to share in the struggle? What what was that like? It was huge. There was a stay-at-home dad who already had a child who was, let's say, like three or four, and he was on to his second, who was just a month older than our first. So he had gone around the block already. He'd gone through those first three, four years with the first child, and now he's already into the two-child He also was an ultra runner, and he also was a veteran, and he and I bonded. He just made it look easy, and and so I had a role model right off the bat for a guy who was doing stuff that he was passionate about and, and staying really active and staying fit and healthy and also being a really good dad and being there for his wife and being there for his kids. And so I had that guy as my role model in Pennsylvania, and we still stay in touch, and I still ask him for advice occasionally. And So that was a big help. And without surfing in my life, I kind of took up running as my like meditative activity. He got me into that. So I had him, and then I had some other wonderful dads that just inspired me to do things differently and look at things differently and try things differently, and they were parenting in different ways, and it's always good to keep a, an open mind and try things differently and see things differently. That's great. And so eventually you guys have decided that Pennsylvania isn't quite the right fit. And so you've decided on Florida and you start looking at Gainesville. And so you had this connection to the original property from your great grandparents, but it's right on a lake and there's only, I don't know, 25 houses on the street. How did you decide that that's where you wanted to be? And then how did you get that place? We um, looked at a lot of areas around Gainesville and we visited Gainesville a couple times and had some family vacations out here before we even wanted to live here. But we had a little sense of 
want to live on a lake and we want to be close to Gainesville, but probably not right in Gainesville. And this lake happens to be the third healthiest lake in Florida, at least at the time. That's what I found online. And I like the sound of that because lakes here in Florida sometimes get dry and the levels change significantly. So your boathouse could be high and dry and you can't launch your boat or, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. But I like the idea of living on a nice, healthy lake. And this street happens to just be kind of the easiest street to live on the lake and still get into town. Um, a lot of streets, a lot of areas around the lake, you have to drive all the way around the lake. And we got fortunate enough to find this house on this street. And that was partly because I sent handwritten letters with a picture of our family to the 20-some houses, hoping that somebody would say, hey, I think our neighbor might be selling his house soon, or I think a lady down the street might be willing to move. Um, it kind of happened because of that, that a woman who was living here was just torn between living here or living closer to her grandkids. So you literally wrote cards to everyone on the street with a picture of your family. I love that. They each said the same thing. I didn't make the cards different, but I hand wrote them all. You know, that's what I like to do early in the morning, get up and do some movement and write some cards to people and so I just wrote cards and sent these out, and thankfully it worked out. It's amazing. I mean, again, you just do things in a way that I don't think the average person does, but it shows. I mean, you have this life that anybody else maybe could have if they followed their instinct and did things in a different way, but most people wouldn't. You know, who's going to write mm-hmm. handwritten cards to everybody on the street that they want to live on? Like, mm-hmm. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like writing cards. That's amazing. So you, you get to this house and maybe take us through again what the property's like and what your hope is to do to this place. Because what I noticed right when I got there is like for only being there a year and a half, it feels like you've been there for 10 years. And That's exactly how you know, I want it to be. I want us to live in a situation where we can go outside and just pick our meals. And I know we're not going to source everything from our yard, but um, I first of all want to replace our grass. And I have a permaculture design certificate. I really, really am inspired by permaculture ideas and just the idea of mimicking nature in general. So right away when I move in, we plant the trees. We start finding ways to get mulch and get wood and even finding ways to get compost until we can get our chicken system going. And so we, we found this house at the end of this quiet road on the south side of this lake in this very mild part of the country and uh, we have the benefit of having a lake to kind of soften the coldest nights because occasionally in north central florida it can get really cold so our plants like our bananas and our uh, avocados and guavas and whatnot will actually survive those coldest nights so we started right away to put in trees and they'll eventually shade the grass but in the meantime i'm getting mulch as much as i can i'm planting we have one small raised bed area i have to grow the soil first so it you have to be patient and you have to start quickly. Otherwise, you have to buy truckloads of topsoil and compost. And I don't like that idea. I like to try to use what's available. So we did the plants, we did the trees, we did the chickens. We've got stuff started and it's just a long, slow process of growing soil and adding nutrients. And we're we're getting there. A lovely spot with, uh, you know, no traffic so the kids can be outside and they don't have street smarts because when you live at the end of a road, nobody's ever driving by really fast. It's a safe spot. It's kind of exciting when we have visitors because 
most of the time nobody drives to the end of the road and mailman comes every day uh, we enjoy getting to know our neighbors we started doing kind of community potluck events with the neighbors to try to bring people together because this is a quiet street and people kind of tend to stay in their houses and not really get out and about and we want to see that change we want to see neighbors being neighborly we want to see neighbors you know borrowing things from each other and sharing and helping each other and just being aware of each other and there's a, even one neighbor a few houses down that knew and they were friends with my grandparents so they're the oldest on the street and so we know that we're going to help taking care of them in the next few years as they get even older and we're happy to be the end of the road here in this new community that we're helping to make become like a neighborhood and we're going to have food to share with people so that's awesome and it's not just food that you're planting and growing on the outside of your house it's when you walk into your pantry your floor to ceiling full of foods that you've processed and canned yourself you've got kombucha that you're brewing you were telling me about ciders that you made and this and that i mean you you're all in to the food oh yeah i mean i, I can't stand seeing things go to waste so back you know in pennsylvania we had a bumper crop of kale and collards and i wasn't able to cook it fast enough and so i harvested it all and threw it in the oven and dried it out and we just mashed it into the blender and blended it to a powder and now the kids when I make mac and cheese, if I don't put kale and collard powder in, they ask for it because they like it with that and they prefer it with that. And so I, I can't see things go to waste. We, our friends at Frog Song Organic Farm, they, they have a lot of strawberries right now. And our housemate, Jeff, and I are going to get a bunch of their seconds, you know, the strawberries they can't sell at market. And we're going to put them in the dehydrator and probably do them all in the dehydrator if we can. Uh, maybe have to freeze some as well. But we did jam last year, so I won't need to make jam again for a couple of years. Uh, strawberry jam, at least. And we've got wild blueberries growing up and down the side of the woods on a road into our little street here. And so we've got yummy blueberries. And I love the idea of just, you know, using what's available and not letting things go to waste. And having chickens is helpful because if things do eventually, you know, spoil and don't get to them quickly enough, the chickens are going to turn them into eggs for us, turn them into manure for us. And so that's a really, really good system to have. That's awesome. So it seems like this lifestyle has permitted you to have the kind of time that maybe a lot of people yearn for with, with young kids. You know, as soon as kids come into the picture, that's one of the chief issues that I think a lot of people suffer is what happened to my time. But hearing you speak and seeing the way that you live, it seems like you've found a way to make it work for you in a way that's really balanced and healthy and, you know, allows you to be who you want to be. I'd say so. We have the benefit of being close to this big college town with all sorts of family activities and classes and workshops and this and that. But being, you know, 20 miles out, uh, we are very selective about driving into town. Uh, we really prioritize having the kids spend time with other kids. And we're really proactive about inviting people to our house as well because there are plenty of families that love to come spend time at the lake with us and play outside. But when we go in town, we're very productive. We go do our grocery store run. We go take the kids to whatever lessons and sports and things they're going to be doing. And we like that we're out here so that the default is the retreat, you know. And then you make an effort to go into the city. You make an effort to drive to Jacksonville and go to the climbing gym. Uh, you make an effort to drive to the beach and drive to the springs. And uh, that's partly why I'm growing this to a beautiful food forest kind of a place where it's not only just beautiful, but it's also feeding you, feeding your soul, feeding your body. And we prioritize 
family time and uh that's got to be balanced too you got to have your own independent time and for just you know date nights and parent time but we're very fortunate to have the time we do and to be mindful of how we use that time do you think homeschooling your children has allowed you to design that schedule in a way that works best for your family definitely for instance we're going to do a, a camper van road trip up to Tennessee and North Carolina in a couple weeks. And that trip is partially for just family fun. We're going to a couple concerts. But also, it's going to be part of homeschooling because our son is really into Davy Crockett and history involving settlers and Little House on the Prairie and old-fashioned kind of things. And we love getting into that. And we are going to be in Tennessee where Davy Crockett was born, and we're going to explore places there and do some activities, climb Klingman's Dome, I think it's called, where he potentially climbed when he was alive, you know, just stuff like that, that you make your life into that educational experience. You don't have to sit down and, and say, now school time, and, you know, life is school, life is education. So we are very fortunate to be able to take that time and do a trip like that where we can take time to explore some educational things and have some hands-on, lots of hands-on experience. And what about the regular day-to-day, week-to-week routine? Do you have any things that stands out for you and your family that you try and do in order to keep the order and structure in your lives? We have a weekly default kind of calendar, kind of like having your default thing at your home where you feel like you don't know what to do, like look at your default calendar. Oh, now, right now it's supposed to be, you know, playing games, family games time or something you know it's not painful there's lots of open space and every morning we try to look at that default calendar our default weekly plan and then also make a list with just activities we'd like to fill into the open spaces and we may or may not get to them some of them might be really important other ones might just be games that the kids want to play today or, or outdoor activities they want to do put it on that list and we keep that list where we can see it throughout the day and we try to pick from it when we have a moment between other activities or when we finish something and that's worked pretty well I think as the kids get older, that's going to look different, you know, as they have their own potential calendars, um, especially when they're older, like teenage older, especially when they're older, like they can drive themselves around older. Um, we would like to start doing what my family did, which was having like a planning meeting every Sunday. That's what my family did when we were growing up. They recently recommended we start doing that because, you know, we have lapses of memory and we have things on a calendar that we just forgot or missed it entirely because we forgot it was on the calendar. So I think we're going to start adding some Sunday calendar meetings on there to make our weeks go smoothly the old family meeting i think you know it empowers your children to have choice and let their opinions and voices be heard especially in a homeschool environment when maybe they're not being called on to go and speak in front of the classroom i think that's a super important way to give them that confidence to have their opinions and voice be heard i agree So I think we've got a pretty good picture of your life and what you do and the day-to-day. And I guess one topic we haven't really covered is what's the balance like with your wife? You know, on the day-to-day, I know before I moved into a van and I was living the 9-to-5 lifestyle, I mean, I was leaving at 8.30 in the morning and coming back at 6 o'clock at night for five days a week. Is that reverse for you both or is it different? So my wife's schedule year to year it kind of changes. She finished med school and finished residency and started practicing as a physician. She's gone from working five days a week to working three days a week or four days a week. 
currently she works three days a week. Some weeks she works four days a week. And upcoming, she's going to switch over to an even more flexible system where she works two weeks on, two weeks off, which may just mean that trips like our trip to Tennessee and North Carolina in our van are going to happen more often. Or even just trips to different parts of Florida we haven't explored yet are going to happen more often because we have those two weeks off. Granted, a lot of the systems in our yard with chickens and dogs and garden spaces are not self-sufficient just yet. So we'll have to have friends and neighbors that are going to be willing to come over and let the chickens out and collect the eggs and you know do things like that for us. But her daily schedule is she does surgery. So uh, she is exhausted from these surgeries and she really gets a lot of recharge time when she's off. And we just want to prioritize that attitude of time over money. I mean, your, your time is money. You know, you're, you could look at it that way. And, but we just want to make sure that nobody's feeling like imbalanced in that time money. Um, you know, we'd rather, we'd rather have more time with family and not have as much money to do things than have uh, lots of money, but feel like we're never enjoying ourselves together and never spending time together. So that's our hope is that we'll, find some kind of a balance if it's two weeks on, two weeks off, or if it's three to three or four days a week, or even less, maybe in the future, I'll work part-time out of the house and she'll work part-time out of the house and we'll share the homeschooling responsibilities and we'll share the homemaking responsibilities. We'll see where that goes, but uh, as it stands now, we're very fortunate to have this setup where she can work part-time and be home with a family, plenty of time to enjoy family activities together. That sounds perfect, but I'm sure that it took a lot of hard work to get there. It's not just something that happens overnight. Yep, definitely. So I don't want to uh, underappreciate the efforts that it took on everybody's behalf to design this lifestyle. Definitely. Um, well, you know, maybe some last questions around being a, a stay-at-home dad. Do you have any favorite parts or worst parts that you would like to share? Well, I probably have forgotten the worst parts. You know, you kind of <laughs> tend to do that with the worst parts of life. You, unless the worst parts somehow become like type 3 fun where you have a very, very memorable experience out of it. The first thing that came to mind was actually a high point, which is such, it was a simple, simple, simple moment when I think Reed was seven now, was only old enough to climb a short ladder with my help. And the reason the ladder was involved was because we had this beautiful wild cherry tree out front of our house in Pennsylvania. And it was overhanging the driveway so we could have this ladder underneath the branches and I could have him safely climb the stepladder and I could stand behind him to keep him from falling and I could pick cherries and he could pick cherries and we just filled up a bucket with cherries and it was almost like I took a picture of it. You know, I, I you have that experience when you have memories that are, you can see the pictures when you, like sometimes it's actual pictures and you remember the experience and you kind of see the pictures. But this was a funny thing where I didn't take a picture of him, but I can have that mental image of like him just so happy that he's helping dad pick cherries and he's eating cherries and I'm just so happy because he's happy picking cherries with me and that's like an ideal activity together and that moment wasn't anything that amazing you know but it was just special like the other day our kids picked the first strawberries that we have growing here and that was special uh, and not everything involves picking fruit although it might seem like it <laughs> yeah we had we had a wonderful family trip to ireland where he was five i think so he was still i mean he still is very imaginative and believing in all sorts of things like fairies and dragons and you know all sorts of you know, nights and this and that. And so we're in Ireland and we go to a castle where you get to eat dinner in the castle when they do the singing and dancing. And it's just a fun time. I think it's called Bunratty Castle. And we went there and we, I don't know how we sorted it out, but we asked the lady there taking tickets to play along with 
Reed being uh, a knighted person, and he had a sword that supposedly somebody gave him at, when we were in another part of Ireland. And so he had his little wooden sword, and the lady said, "Oh, welcome, sir Reed. You're welcome to bring your family to this feast." And uh, you know, it was just wonderful to have that kind of magic moment where he's believing that she's treating him like a little knight, and he gets to go have this little meal in the castle and that was a fun moment too i'm sure i could just keep going but at least that one didn't involve picking fruit (laughs) and what about any advice for any families that are kind of facing that decision of hey should i be going to work part-time or should dad stay home and be a stay-at-home dad and kind of taking on that role in a world where that it's not the standard yeah i'd say going back to the failing fast like if you have a feeling like something might be better, like try it and just do it right away because you're better to do it and it doesn't work and six months later you go back to some other scenario, but then you've at least tried something and maybe you tried and it works wonderfully. And if you can look at, you know, your budget and look at how you can cut some things out of your spending and live a little more frugally, then it will take the stress off of you and you can have one of the parents or work from home or not work at all or you know be part time or whatever it might be that works for your family. And I'd say just go for it and then just keep your eyes open for people doing similar things because it's going to be rough no matter what kind of change occurs you know changes all the time and things happen all the time and it doesn't always go smoothly but if you find other people also struggling and uh, are also you know doing well with the change uh, I think that's a good thing to do but I'd say just if it feels right and nobody is against it you know just go for it and, and then see what happens yeah and that community no matter where you are is, is so important we're living on the road now and that's one of the first things we lost after driving out of our hometown and sure we still talk to some people and, and stay connected with them but when you're parked down some dirt road in the Everglades and you see bullet holes all around and you're kind of like wow what did I really just do but, <laughs> but then you meet people like you guys or some other families we've met along the way and you start to create a new network and you know you can share in the tough moments and celebrate the good moments because you know as we all know parenting is challenging and it pushes you in ways that you never expected and so I think it's so important no matter where you are to develop that community especially with a young family. Definitely. I think these challenges are are making us better people. And I think we're going to look back and be like, thank goodness we decided to do that, you know, or thank goodness we decided to stop doing that other thing or whatever it might be. Well, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to share, Gavin, but I just want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. You know, a lot of our guests, they might be pretty active on social media and sharing their lifestyle in a way that, you know, people can engage with. But I'm not sure you guys are, uh, you're, you're so busy growing your own trees and living your life that I don't think you have a social presence as much. Nope. <laughs> Which is awesome, and I totally appreciate and respect that, and that's why I'm so excited to interview you, because, you know, if we're not going to go online and find your fruit trees, we just have to imagine it, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and I love that. Yeah, or come visit us. Or come and visit, that's right. Thank you so much, and look forward to seeing you guys, whether it's back in Florida or out on a trip somewhere else in the world. Yeah, I would love to meet up again, and we'll let you know we might be heading out to Oregon this summer to visit some of our friends from Pennsylvania who live there now, and we might also be out in California. So if we're out west in the near future, we'll let you know, and maybe you'll still be out there. We'll see. We will. We will. All right, man. I wish you all the best in uh, all the the smoothest roads, but the most fun bumps along the way. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) Likewise. <laughs>
All right, Colin. Thanks for your time, man. I really, I very much am flattered that you'd want to ask me questions and hear my thoughts and hear my experiences. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gavin. Well, have a great day, man. All right. Have fun in Oklahoma with your family. Okay. Take care. So that was Gavin Noble and a slice of his life down in Alashua County, Florida. If you find yourself passing through Gainesville, Florida in a cool van like ours and Gavin sees you, I'm sure he'll extend the kind of warm welcome he gave us. Thanks so much for listening to season one or told from the road of rewilding parenthood. We have three more episodes coming up in this season and our next show will feature Aaron and Philan of Simply Us and a Bus and their story of raising three kids on the road in a converted school bus. Rewilding Parenthood was produced on the road by Afuera Vida, sound and editing by Mercedes Riva, and music by Tomas Tirel. If you like what you hear, please give us a review, share with a friend, or follow us on Instagram at Rewilding Parenthood. See you all next week.